Welcome to Beyond the Body, a podcast for women who aren't afraid to dive deep into who they are, embrace discomfort, and level up their mind, body, and life. I'm your host, Christina Slater. If you've ever struggled with body image, self-worth, or knowing how to take your fitness to the next level, you have come to the right place. We go deeper than just the latest fad diet or trending workout to provide you with the mindset tools to transform your body, upgrade your mind, and reclaim your life. Let's get into it. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to Beyond the Body. I am your host, Christina Slater. And today we're going to be keeping it light but educational and have a chat about competition prep. We're going to bust some myths and go through the facts versus the fiction. Okay. So obviously you guys know I hit the stage twice this year, competed in Calgary at the Alberta Open, competed at nationals in Toronto just a couple of weeks back. I also prepped my very first competition client, Rochelle, to hit the stage in Calgary. She ended up placing third on her very first show, which is absolutely fantastic. Super, super proud of her. If you're interested in her journey to the stage, there is an episode from a couple of weeks ago where we outline basically from the very beginning when Rochelle and I started working together in 2017 until she stepped on stage this past year in 2023. Now, I know a lot of the listeners are fascinated by competition prep. I know a lot of my clients are very curious as well. And I get a lot of questions kind of just about the structure, the regimen, the training, the programming, because a competition prep diet is quite a bit different than a typical weight loss slash fat loss program. Okay. There are definitely some parallels, but programming for a client or a person to step on stage is really unique. And it's funny because you see all the girls and the men standing on stage and we look like literally the epitome of health. We look so strong. We look so confident. But the reality is that dieting to that low of a body fat percentage, especially for women, is not healthy, right? And standing on stage, we might look fantastic. We might feel pretty good because we probably had some carbs that day. But in reality, we generally feel like shit. Like, like we're dying. However, I also think that it's kind of a very popular misconception that prep is just horrible the entire time and that you absolutely suffer. Yes, there are, are going to be times where you're suffering. Yes, it's definitely more challenging than a typical fat loss program. But my prep honestly was fantastic. There were challenging aspects. There were days that were more challenging than others. But for the most part, right up until the last couple of weeks, I felt great. So with all that being said, let's, let's get into it. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the energy levels, different types of cardios. Do we eat carbs? How do we sleep? Do we lose our period? I've heard strange things about eating fruit. Do we tan naked with a bunch of ladies, pee in a cup? Like There's a ton of interesting, unique dynamics to getting ready to step on stage. And I'm going to break it all down for you. Now, one thing to note is that, again, all of this information is based off of my own personal experience and my own research and coaching experience. There will likely be 
people who disagree with me on this. And that is totally fine. There's also many, many different ways to prep someone to hit the stage. There's many different approaches to getting show ready. And it doesn't mean that one is correct and the other one is not. All right. So let's get into it. So in no particular order. Question number one. Is it true that you have to do cardio daily or multiple times per day during your prep? Okay. So this is going to be very, very different from person to person. I know of a lot of people, I'm going to talk mainly about women because I mainly train women who have started their prep doing no cardio. Typically, cardio is going to get added in gradually throughout your prep. I don't know. I don't know anyone who has done like zero cardio during their prep. Usually, for most people, you will be doing cardio almost every day. For a lot of people, you will be doing two cardio sessions per day, especially as you get closer into your prep and closer towards the end of prep. But it is not uncommon, especially at the beginning, to be doing cardio maybe three to four to five times a week. For myself, I was doing cardio every single day from the very beginning of my prep right up until the end. I was doing multiple sessions as well. I also like cardio. Okay. So I do cardio all the time because I enjoy cardio. You also have to consider like your general daily output. You know what I mean? So I do sit in my office a lot of the day when I'm working, right? As opposed to someone who's getting ready for a stage who maybe has a more physical job. So you have to do cardio daily. Is it fact? Is it fiction? Honestly, I would have to lean more towards it is fact. But it's not a black or white answer. Next up, is it true that you don't eat on show day? That is a hard fiction, okay? Hard, hard fiction. I think there's this very big misconception out there, and I think I know why. So, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you feel your body feels tight, your body feels lean, your stomach feels flat, and then you eat a crumb and you just blow up. (laughs) Like, I know that feeling. And I think that is where this kind of myth comes from is like you don't eat so that your stomach looks super flat on stage on show day. First off, if you are in show shape, which you should be if you're getting on stage, your stomach is flat all the time. (laughs) But you actually eat a lot on show day because during your prep, during the months leading up to the show, that is when you are trying to lose fat, right? And it's a very precise way in which you are trying to lose fat because you're trying to maintain like all of your muscle, okay? When you're doing an aggressive diet and a prep doesn't have to be an aggressive diet, a lot of the time it is though, you can lose muscle mass. So in bodybuilding, of course, the name of the game is to maintain all of that lean mass that you've put on in your improvement season. So the weeks and months leading up to your prep, that is when you are shedding fat. The last one to two weeks before your show, you're not going to be losing much fat, especially if you've prepped properly. The last like one to two weeks is really about dialing in your physique properly, manipulating your carb intake, manipulating anything 
to really peak your physique for stage at at like two weeks out, one week out, like you should have already done the work to be lean enough to get on stage. And at that point, it's not about losing weight or losing fat anymore. It's about bringing the best package to the stage. And part of that is filling out your muscles. So again, it's going to depend on like what category you're competing in. I'm going to assume that most listeners of this podcast if you are thinking of competing, you're probably leaning towards the bikini or the wellness division. Those are the most popular among women. And each division kind of has a different look you're going for on stage, but all of them, you want your muscles to be full and you you don't want to look depleted or flat on stage. Okay. So when you're not eating, especially when you're not eating carbs or not eating a lot of carbs, your muscles almost always are going to look flat because there's no glycogen in them. So contrary to potentially popular belief that we don't eat on show day, we actually eat a lot, especially leading up to the show because we're ingesting all of those carbs, typically carbs, sometimes a bit of extra fats as well, depending on your coach and your style of peaking your physique and what works best for your body. We eat a lot because we want to fill out to look our absolute best on stage. If we didn't eat, we we would look not good on the stage. And this is kind of like similar. This this thing happens. I've seen it before where let's say you are going on vacation. Okay. You're going on vacation and you have like maybe two weeks left till your vacation. You're like, oh man, I should have started my diet like literally two months ago, but I didn't. I slacked off and now I need to lose all this weight. So I look good on my vacation. And you just start like eating salad all the time. And you just start doing like a lot of cardio. And you probably find you're like, man, I don't look good. And like, you don't feel good, right? Because you're depleting your muscles of glycogen. You're looking more flat. The more like vegetables and water you eat, sometimes again, a lot of variables are coming into play here. You can look watery. Your muscles can look watery. If you have an abundance of weight to lose, you're not really going to notice if you look watery because the reality is you have too high of a body fat percentage to really notice that. But if you are like moderately lean, you will be able to see that your muscles don't look full and you kind of look almost swollen when your stress goes up, your cortisol goes up, you're doing lots of cardio and you're not actually eating. Usually it's carbs, right? So you're like, oh man, now I need to, I need to exercise more and I need to eat more salad and you cut all this stuff out of your diet and you end up not looking very good for your trip. But then you go on your trip and then you start eating the carbs, you start drinking the alcohol, it all goes into your muscles and you're like, oh man, like I do look okay. So again, if, if that's you and you like have something you're trying to lose weight for very, very quickly, don't eat just salad, don't drink just water, like just do it properly and include whole foods in your diet. Like have some vegetables, have some lean protein, make sure you're hitting your healthy fats, make sure you're eating your carbs right up until your trip, okay? And I mean, in a perfect world, it shouldn't even come to that. You should be intelligent enough to know that it's going to take you two months, three months, potentially, depending on how much fat you're looking to lose, a bit of time to actually create the physique you want for whatever you're going for. Um, So you don't eat on show day is a hard, hard fiction. You don't drink on show day is the next question. That is also fiction. (laughs) Some coaches will have you manipulate water intake. I would say almost all will have you manipulate water intake at least to some degree, but like massive, massive water manipulations are generally not good. 
They're, they can be very dangerous. And especially like if you're not drinking water, it really doesn't take much to dehydrate you. <laughs> but on show day, you aren't like chugging water. Like you're drinking it slowly and you're having sips because again, you don't want your belly full of water. So you definitely, definitely drink water on show day. Again, your muscles also need water to fill out properly. Okay. So not drinking water on show day is definitely fiction. Next up, is it true that you have no energy? I'm going to say that's a hard fact, (laughs) man. I like, yeah, you have no energy. All (laughs) you are functioning completely on autopilot, completely on mental willpower, especially at the end for the first, depending on how long you're prepping, you you'll have energy, of course, but the more deep you get into prep, especially if you are stage lean and you're getting down into those single digit body fat percentages, like you don't have energy. You, you really, really don't. (laughs) Is that the truth for every single competitor in the world? No, there's definitely going to be some outliers, but for me and for most competitors that I know of, we are very low energy, very low brain power. It literally takes everything we have in us to just function and do the bare minimum. So that's a really big difference with prep versus a typical weight loss diet. For example, like with my clients who are basically just dieting down to get to a healthy level of leanness, as they're losing weight, their energy actually increases. But again, most people don't actually want to have like that stage look year round, right? And even for my clients who do get down to pretty lean physiques, I will usually implement something called like a diet break or like a mini diet break where basically we're we're dieting them down, we're potentially bringing down their calories and or increasing their cardio or calorie expenditure depending on who the client is. And then after a period of usually between 6 to 12 weeks of that, we'll do not quite a reverse diet but a small period of time anywhere from 1 to 2 weeks usually where we actually increase their calories and then we start decreasing them again. Okay. So that really like, it allows you to obviously fill up your glycogen stores again, increase your carbs, get that energy up, get your training intensity back up and just kind of like boost your metabolism. You Similarly to that, you can also do a refeed day or a refeed meal. Um, if you are finding that your energy is severely lacking and you're doing a cut, you're losing fat, So that's something that I implemented multiple times during my prep, and it absolutely helps with your energy levels. And that is something that I also program in for a select number of my clients as well. In order to really get the benefit though of like diet breaks or refeed days, refeed meals, you really have to be on point. If you're not like 90% compliant with hitting your nutrition targets and your calories, your macros, your meals, like doing refeeds and stuff is not really going to help you because you're not consistent enough for it to make a difference. So is it true you have no energy during prep? Yeah, it's pretty true. You can increase your energy temporarily, but it's it's low as shit <laughs> as an overall statement. All right, next question. Is it true that you eat under a thousand calories? I would say that that is, could be fact or fiction. For myself, there was a small period of time. I was under a thousand calories. You guys have to remember as well, I am a very small person, especially on prep, 103 pounds. 
most competitors, I would say, do not eat under a thousand calories. My client Rochelle, for example, she was also, what was she like? 102. What did she hit under a hundred pounds? She was also very lean. She's also a very small individual. She was never under a thousand calories, but I was prepping a little bit longer and a little bit more aggressively. So yes, there were days that I ate under a thousand calories, but usually like that's, that's pretty, pretty low for, for most individuals. And again, everyone is going to be very different. If you start your prep properly and you have reverse dieted, there's a very unlikely chance that you will be eating under a thousand calories. There's a very unlikely chance you'll even be eating under 1200 calories. I feel like there's this big, again, misconception about eat 1200 calories to lose weight. And like that is not at all a magic number of any means. Like most people, most women need to be eating significantly more than 1200 calories to lose weight effectively. Okay. And the thing is with, with prep and with just a weight loss diet, like it's so important to A, obviously build your calories up so that you are at a good starting point to begin with. But B, and this is the part that so many people fuck up, especially when they're doing their diet themselves, is they just immediately slash their calories. Like there is a reason why you don't do that. There's a reason why bodybuilders don't go like, oh, I'm going to step on stage in six months. So today I'm going to start my diet at a thousand calories, right? You gradually, 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 you guys reduce those calories over time. And it's not just the calories. It is the protein. It is the carbs. It is the fats that matter, right? Your breakdown, your ratio of your macronutrients is going to determine so much in how your physique looks and in so much in how you feel. The way that I program for my clients and the way that my prep was done as well, is you want to do the smallest possible manipulation to the diet to create the greatest change, okay? So if you're losing fat, let's say at half a pound per week, like we don't want to make too many changes because that's that's pretty good. Now, if we can, if you stop losing that weight and it stops trending in that direction, because again, the scale isn't always going to go down. We want to look at the trend over time then we want to make a small adjustment. So that could look at, we could look at doing something like increasing your cardio sessions by five minutes, right? We're not going to go, oh, let's add an hour extra cardio in. Like why? Why would we do that, right? Let's look at reducing your carbohydrate intake by 10 grams per day, right? We're not going to go, oh, let's just not eat carbs at this meal or like, let's just cut your carbs out. You want to do the smallest possible change to create the greatest outcome. Again, especially for for my clients, this goes for whether we're doing a competition prep or or not. When we when you start working with me, we generally start with very little cardio because why would you start unless unless it's a client who came in who was already doing like six cardio sessions per week or something before they join. We if you're making progress without doing a ton of cardio, we're only going to very gradually add it in because why do five cardio sessions per week if you're making great progress doing one, right? And then we can gradually look at changing things based on how you feel, what's going on in your life and how your body is responding to the programming. All right, so next question. Is more cardio always better when losing fat? Okay, so this is kind of a prep question slash not really even a prep question. 
Is more cardio better? No. Okay. That is fiction. In some cases, it could be a fact, but overall, I would say that that is a fiction, whether you're prepping or not, because of all the reasons we kind of just discussed. Why do more if you don't need to be doing more? Especially cardio is a stress on the body. In kind of saying that as well, a a question I get all the time is, is it better to like eat less or do more cardio? Okay. So I'm going to give you two two different opinions here. They're both my opinions, but two different ways of looking at it, two different perspectives. First off, I'm a big fan of the kind of like eat more, move more perspective. So a lot of the time, like if a client has kind of hit a plateau, meaning their weight has kind of stayed the same for about two to three weeks or their their progress photos slash measurements haven't changed for about two to three weeks because we look at a bunch of different things. It's not just about the scale. It's not just about the measurements. And it's also not just about those things, it's about how you feel, right? But if client is in what we would consider a plateau, sometimes I really like to actually increase their food intake. So that's actually going to kind of rev up the metabolism a little bit, basically just get things moving. When you are eating more food, typically your body is going to be more okay with expending calories, right? It's kind of like, as we talked about previously in in other episodes, your metabolism will downregulate as you diet, meaning you'll burn less and less calories as you continue to lose weight. That's just the reality of how our bodies work. So if we do a temporary increase in food and we actually increase your activity level, now that doesn't necessarily mean cardio. It could also just mean moving more being more active, going for a couple more walks or like playing a sport, something, or even just extending the workout, like adding in a little circuit to the end of your weight training session, something like that, you'll typically see that plateau start to start to move. Okay. So that is one perspective and one kind of school of thought, I guess you could call it, that I like to implement for my clients. Now on the flip side of that though, is doing more cardio better than eating less? Despite really liking the eat more, move more philosophy, it actually is probably better to eat less than do more cardio, especially if you're someone who is really, really busy. Because if you think about it this way, it will take you, man, like <laughs> I know cardio, most people don't love cardio. And I know cardio for most people is, is quite challenging and exhausting. Like I love it, but just taking average numbers, if you do a 30-minute cardio session of like moderately challenging intensity, right? Like you're going like a six to seven out of 10 RPE. So that's that's like you're breaking a sweat. You're putting in the work, right? In, in about 30 minutes of that, honestly, most people are going to burn like 150 calories, depending on who you are and your fitness level. That's a very ballpark number. Whereas if you eat a bite of cake, it literally takes you, what, I don't know, 20 seconds to eat a bite of cake that literally is going to be 150 calories, right? So you can eat that 150 calories in literally 20 seconds, or you can burn it off in 30 minutes, okay? So it's a lot easier and a lot more time effective to just reduce the calories than it is to try to increase your cardio to burn off any additional calories. Does that make sense, you guys? So again, a few kind of different things to consider when deciding, should you do more cardio? Should you reduce your food intake? But more cardio is definitely, definitely not necessarily better. And in fact, I would say most people trying to lose fat are doing arguably too much cardio. 
Okay. Next question. On prep, is it true that you do high reps and light weight for your training as opposed to in the off season when you lift as heavy as possible? Hard fiction there, you guys. Fiction, fiction, fiction. High reps, light weight. No. Okay. There's that. Again, a big myth out there. Like to tone, you do high reps and light weight. No. Like that's... It's so wrong. But I do want to emphasize that high reps and quote unquote light weight, you can still build a lot of muscle with high reps and light weight because the actual amount of weight, the load, the number on the dumbbells, the number of on the plates that you're lifting, it doesn't fucking matter. Your muscles don't know whether you are lifting 10 pounds or 15 pounds or 20 pounds. They only know how much tension and how much stress is on them. So the biggest, most important thing above how much weight you're lifting and above how many reps you're doing is that you are doing the exercises properly and that you are optimizing the reps, that you're making them challenging and that you're working through those ranges of motion, okay? So is as a general rule of thumb, you want to be doing a combination of, okay, this is for, this is for hypertrophy training. So this is for muscle growth, okay? This is not for powerlifting. This is not for strength training and meaning like your one rep max. This is for muscle growth and slash recomposition. You want to do a combination of different rep and set ranges. Okay. So some of your sets are probably going to be a little bit lower rep, meaning if you're trying to build muscle, I personally rarely ever program less than eight reps into a set. Like that is on the very low end. And I, would probably never program in more than 30 reps for a client. And those 30 reps are going to be probably drop set or superset style. Because if you can do 30 reps with a weight, it's not heavy enough for you. Okay. But if you can do 30 reps doing a superset or a drop set, like that's only depending 15 reps per weight or per exercise or 10, 10, and 10, right? So anywhere from the eight to 30 rep range is going to be ideal usually for building muscle and or burning fat in the gym through resistance training. And again, with your sets, probably anywhere from three to five sets at that rep range. That is a very general rule of thumb. Any fitness professional will tell you that there are so many additional ways and changes you could make to kind of that. But that's just like the general, kind of like a general guideline. Okay. So high reps, lightweight does not mean you're going to tone up. It's not what you do during prep. Honestly, prep training isn't really that much different in the gym than if you're not in prep other than the intensity is like a little bit higher and your rest times are generally a little bit shorter because essentially the goal is fat loss. Is it true that you are always cold? Fact. Fact. Yes, it is true. It is true. I am a cold person even when I'm not prepping. And when you have no body fat on you and when you're dieting, you're losing heat, right? You're losing heat and you have no insulation, you have no fat. And when you get cold, you cannot get warm. Like, holy crap, you cannot get warm again. I had so many blankets on me, heating pads, bean bag, warm bean bags, sweaters, like still shivering, goosebumps everywhere. Everyone else is like sweating. <laughs> so yes, fact, you are always cold during prep. Next up, you don't eat carbs. Fiction, fiction. That is a myth. You don't eat carbs. Here's the thing. Do you know any keto bodybuilders? No. Like there's like maybe like two in the fucking world, right? Every 
person who is intelligent and has any brains in their skull when it comes to the fitness industry will tell you that including carbs in your diet is the most effective way to lose fat. Do you have to include carbs in your diet to lose fat? You definitely do not have to. You can lose weight on keto. You can lose weight on on any diet if you're in a calorie deficit. You, You can. But including carbs when you are trying to lose body fat is so important. Generally, your carbohydrate intake will get reduced during your diet. Okay. Generally, not always, but generally as you diet and as you lose fat, your carbs will slowly be coming down. Okay. You may have, depending on your coach, you may have meals that do not contain carbs. You may have meals that are higher carb and or lower carb, but you, uh, yeah, like the, the only time that I cut carbs out during my prep was for a couple days during peak week. And you definitely don't have to. And again, in peak week, the goal is not to lose fat. Like we talked about at the beginning, the goal of peak week is to manipulate anything that you decide to manipulate, which typically in a good prep isn't going to be a ton of stuff. You don't want to make too many crazy changes that final week because you want to control the variables. But the intention of reducing the carbs in that last week is not to lose more fat, it's to deplete your muscles of glycogen so that you can fill them up for the show when you step on stage. Okay. So the reason that a lot of you might see like bodybuilders being like, oh, peak week, zero carb day, it's not because they're trying to like lose all this body fat. They're already shredded as shit. They're trying to, and again, every coach, every bodybuilder is going to have a different approach to peak week. There's no right, there's no wrong. I also know people who don't cut carbs out at all during their prep, and you definitely do not need to. Carbs are such a powerful tool. Very, very powerful, especially people will, trainers will argue that like meal timing doesn't matter. Just like hit your macros. Like that's such bullshit. It is such fucking bullshit, especially when it comes to carbs. Carb intake timing hello, it matters. Okay. If you are someone who is extremely overweight and you're just trying to lose weight and you don't know what you're doing, does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? Like when you eat your carbs, as long as you're hitting your targets, it's not as much of a, of a big deal. Okay. It's not, but the more advanced you get in fitness, it does matter because it matters when you ate your carbs before you trained. It matters. Did you train fasted? Did you eat carbs after you trained? It like your blood glucose is going to be changing based on how many carbs you ingest. You did you eat carbs post training? Did you eat them before bed? How is your sleep? Like carbohydrate timing absolutely matters. Does protein timing matter? Does fat timing matter? Research suggests that protein timing doesn't matter as much as long as you're hitting that general target for whatever you're going for. But But again, I would argue that that's not true, especially if you're someone who is trying to maintain lean body mass or build muscle because simply ingesting protein, simply eating protein is anabolic, meaning it stimulates muscle protein synthesis in your body, okay? So you're essentially like, this is paraphrasing and and overgeneralizing, but you're essentially building muscle just by eating protein, okay? So if you only eat protein once per day and you ate all your full, let's say you're eating 100 grams of protein per day, which isn't even that much, and you eat it all in one sitting, you're only stimulating that protein synthesis one time, as opposed to if you split it into four equal meals. So if you want to be specific, if you want to optimize, it definitely does matter when you time your food. That is why I cut and conquer. I always have my clients like 
eating at certain times with certain meals around their training or throughout their day, depending on what their life looks like, because I do believe it can be optimized. Is that the end all to progress? No. The biggest thing, again, is hitting your calories and hitting your macros at the end of the day. But if you want the best possible progress, it matters. So you don't eat carbs during your prep. Fiction. Fiction. All right, next one. Now, this is, I've heard this kind of going around about prep, and it is that you don't sleep well. Okay. So for for me personally, that's a hard fiction. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying it's a hard fiction, but it's fiction for me. I've heard from other competitors and other coaches that in fact they don't sleep well during prep. And again, usually, not always, but usually in combination with a lower carbohydrate diet, your sleep can be affected. Meaning if you're not eating carbs or not eating a lot of carbs, you don't sleep as well. Okay. However, like I didn't find that my sleep was affected. In fact, my sleep during prep was the best it's been in my life ever, ever in my life, in my whole, all of my years. My sleep during this six-month prep was definitely by far, hands down, the best it has ever been. I think part of it was the fact that I was on a consistent sleep routine and I was really working on my sleep because I know sleep is has been the biggest limiting factor in my entire life because it's usually the number one thing I sacrifice. But I was also just so freaking tired. I'm like, I don't know how someone could just not be able to sleep. Like I would just pass out every night. However, I would say for me, it was fiction, but I've, I've heard from others that it is a fact. So again, that one could definitely go either way. Next up, is it true that on prep, you lose your period? Again, some people do, some people do not. All right. So my client Rochelle, for example, I'm sure she doesn't mind me sharing this. She did not lose her period, which is a good sign because that means that you are your body is functioning normally. Your hormones, for the most part, are functioning normally as they should. I did lose my period. But again, my period is, has always been very, very inconsistent throughout my whole life. So for me to lose it or miss it is like very common. Um, however, during prep, I, I've lost it for all of my preps. And I did lose it uh, last, the, last two, the last three months of this prep, I believe. I did not get my period. And I would say for most women, you do lose your period at least once or twice during prep because in order to like actually have a menstrual cycle, you have to be above a certain body fat percentage. And usually for women, like that's above like 12-ish percent. And, and during prep, you're generally getting down under 10% body fat for women. And essentially like, when you are that lean, your body is saying like, hey, you're not in a healthy enough state to be able to reproduce. So we're not going to allow you to do that. So do you lose your period? Fact, for the most part. Next up, is it true that during prep, you don't eat fruit? Fiction. Fiction, yeah. So there are lots of different types of carbs. I'm not going to get into it. Fruit digests as um, fructose. And there is obviously sugar in fruit. And a lot of prep diets like don't include sugar. Of course, fruit is very good for you. The sugar in fruit is like a healthy sugar. And it can actually really help support certain hormones in your body as well. But for me, like my prep diet was almost 
almost no fruit. All my refeed days, I would have some fruit sometimes. But I would say as a general rule of thumb that that is fiction. You can definitely eat fruit during your prep. I would say most people probably do. The thing with any type of sugar though, is it's not usually like the most satiating might like nutrient. So eating fruit when you don't have a lot of calories to play with is generally not like your go-to, right? You're going to want to eat something that's going to keep you really full. But yeah, no, it's definitely not true that you don't eat fruit on your diet. However, some competitors may not eat fruit. Next question. Is it true that during your prep, you are always hungry? Fiction, you guys. It is fiction. I would say for most competitors, they would say that it's true. I was not hungry hardly at all this prep. I had one day, and I talked about this on the podcast already, but I only had one day where I was very, very hungry. I think that that's abnormal because both of my other preps, I was hungry quite frequently. But this time, I ended up getting down to a significantly leaner body, and I was hardly hungry. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I liked eating my food, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm starving. When's my next meal? Like, not at all like that. And same thing with Rochelle. She, there were days where she was hungrier, but she was definitely not starving by any means. Okay, next question. Do you tan naked? (laughs) A lot of people have questions about the competition tans. They are not normal spray tans, you guys. They are not normal spray tans and they're not really like they're flattering on stage, but you literally turn like dark. Like if you get the darkest possible, like typical spray tan, it's probably at least at least 15 times darker than that. Okay. <laughs> you are so freaking dark and it doesn't look like it in your photos because you're under the stage lights. But yeah, like my skin went like for me, like 50 times darker because I'm a very pale person. And yes, you do tan naked. Yes, you are in pods, those little pop-up pods. Yes, there's like a lot of other girls around you who are shredded, who are naked, who are getting tanned. So in in my experience of competing, it kind of depends on how many people are in your show and, and what the scheduling is like for tanning. But yes, you are definitely going to be naked in front of a lot of other females. And this is the thing is, so other people might have a different approach, but you don't want to like, you have to be careful how you pee when you're a woman, because if you get splash marks on your tan and you like can't get a touch up, which you can't just like go get a touch up some tan. So my, for the Calgary show, it was just like, you get your two coats of tan, you go back in the morning and they do one more coat. For the Toronto show, it's a it was a different tanning company, different tanning formula, and it was the tanning formula where you wash it off. So you go, you get. I got my two coats the night before, then the morning of you shower, and then you go back for your third coat. I got three coats because I'm super pale. Some people only need two. So with in that case, if you splashed pee on your leg or toilet water, <laughs> it would be okay because you were washing the tan off anyways, as long as it kind of like set properly. But for the most part, you have to be very careful what you are doing once you get your tan. Because if you start sweating, your tan is going to run. If you get it wet, your tan is going to run. If you pee on your leg, your tan is going to run. If you sit on the toilet, you're going to have toilet marks. My first two shows, I peed in like a cup with a hole in the bottom, like a red, what are those called? Solo cups. I upgraded higher status for these the sh- these two shows this year and I got like this pee funnel. It was actually fantastic. It worked so well. So I highly recommend the pee funnel. 
I think you could probably just like squat over the toilet. I was too nervous to do that because I just didn't want to risk screwing up my tan. You also, they tell you to wear long sleeves and long pants. And it's usually generally very warm when you have your tan on, you're around a ton of people and you're sitting in athletes meetings and whatnot. Definitely listen because the tan, if you like touch yourself to anything or any one, the tan can transfer. So you obviously don't want to get it all over anything because it's like, it stains. (laughs) And yeah, even like I was laying on the bed and my boyfriend was laying next to me, I think, or maybe it was my mom. My mom was up too. And like her elbow was like touching my elbow or maybe his elbow. I literally can't remember. And like it transferred tan onto her and had like a white patch. So yeah, be careful what you touch your tan to. So yes, you tan naked. That is a fact. Yes, you pee in a cup. That is a fact. Next question is, can you gain weight very quickly post-show? Yes, 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 you can. (laughs) That is a fact. Your body is in a very volatile state. When you are in prep and you're at that low level of body fat percentage, your body responds so quickly to everything. So even when you eat food, like eat a meal, like for me, the, the last couple of weeks, like I would just eat a typical old meal of like anything. And like my veins would just start fucking popping, even if that meal didn't have carbs. So your body is just so responsive to everything. It's so responsive to sodium. It's responsive to macronutrients. It's responsive to water. Like you're in a very volatile state. And especially post-show, as we talked about, when you diet, your body and your metabolism is going to downregulate. So when you start your prep, for example, maybe you can maintain your weight at 2000 calories, right? But as you diet down, that what might be your maintenance calories is going to also decrease. And it decreases significantly, you guys, like significantly. So if 2000 calories was your maintenance level, by the end of your prep, depending on who you are and depending on how long you prep for, your new maintenance calories could be something like a thousand. So if you just go back to eating quote unquote normal, you are going to blow the fuck up. You are going to pack on fat. That is why a reverse diet is so important. And this is the same thing for anyone who loses weight, okay? It's not as drastic as it would be for a prep. But if you lose 30 pounds and then you're like, oh, I did it, I hit my goal. I'm just going to go back to eating how I used to. You're going to gain that weight back, okay? So it's not that you have to continue eating less forever. It's that you have to reverse diet. Reverse diets are so powerful. I also love reverse diets. I'm doing my reverse diet right now. You do have to be disciplined during your reverse diet. You have to take it very seriously. It is more, in my opinion, important than it is the diet getting down to your target body or your target weight because it's what's going to allow you to maintain it. And it's what's going to allow you to set yourself up for optimal success next time. Okay, If you do a reverse diet properly, every time you diet, every time you go into a phase where you're trying to lose fat, you should be able to start from a place where you're leaner and start from a place where you're eating more. Okay, That's how a reverse diet should be done properly. And essentially, it just means we're gradually increasing your food intake. We're gradually increasing your calories every couple of weeks, depending, maybe even every couple of days. Like it, it depends on the person. You like for most of my clients, we will increase their calories every like two to three to four weeks. But in a prep, like even with Rochelle, we're increasing like every one to two weeks. For me, I'm increasing like even more frequently than that. <laughs> So yeah, reverse diet is so important. You can gain weight very quickly post-show and it is very challenging to get that weight off post-show if you blow up. You can very seriously fuck up your metabolism. 
your hormones and you can struggle with getting that post-show weight off for years. I've seen it for years. So don't binge eat after your show. Follow your plan. If you literally can do a prep, like you can not binge after your show. Like that is the most important thing. Do not, I, I am against treat meals post-show personally. I know like that's an unpopular opinion, but like, just don't do it. Just don't do it to yourself. Why risk it? You put in all that work and you're going to risk screwing up your health for the next year. Not worth it, you guys. Food tastes delicious post-show. <laughs> fact, <laughs> fact, yes. And that again is why it's so challenging. If you do have that treat meal post-show, it's challenging to not go off the deep end because food tastes so freaking good. You haven't had anything off your plan for six months and then you taste all this food and you're like, oh my God, this is what I've been missing. And like even the most simple thing, like a freaking carrot tastes amazing. Like a banana, what is this thing, right? Like <laughs> it's like it, the t- your taste buds are like mm, on fire. But you guys just be patient, be patient with yourself. Enjoy the food and like add in little things as you need. but be like air on the side of caution because you might think you can handle it. But like a lot when you're in the zone and you're in that like laser focus blinders are on like state, you, you you don't really realize how deep you can get into it. And you don't really realize the effect that it, that it has on your body metabolically and hormonally. So just, just be careful. And then finally, let's end it off. Are post show blues real? Okay. So I, most of you guys probably have heard of that. A lot of competitors will talk about the post-show blues. I'm pretty sure that's what it is called, actually. (laughs) Maybe it's called something else sometimes. But essentially, it's like after your show's done, you get almost depressed because you've been living your life for like that one day for the last six months or four months or five months. and, And then it's over. And it's a very weird feeling. And a lot of people end up completely falling off track with their goals, even very advanced competitors, because... It's just like they don't feel like they have a purpose anymore. And it is a very real feeling. So I would say post-show blues, fact, they are very real. That's why it's it's so important to have a support, to have a coach, to have a reverse diet plan, to have a post-show plan, to have a post-show goal. Because if you don't, you can very easily feel lost and you can very easily find yourself downward spiraling. So for me, I would say I do not have post-show blues. I have like post-show happiness, gratitude, and just excitement because I feel... I feel really good post-show. <laughs> I did have a few. My first two days after Toronto, I did feel a little weird. I definitely did. Like I felt very energetically drained. I felt very weird about food, which I didn't think I would. I really didn't think I would. I stayed on track with my reverse perfectly, but I just had like a very strong fear that I wouldn't. I was like, oh my God, like I'm doing perfect, but like, what if I don't? That lasted about 48 hours for me, if I'm being honest. And then I kind of just like went back to normal. But I'm very excited post-show because I, I feel really good about what I accomplished. I feel really good about my future. I just like, I'm very excited to have energy back. I'm very excited to like crush my training again. But yeah, it's, it's because I do, I do have goals. I do have great support. And again, just, just make sure you have something like a good, strong why and a good, strong driving purpose post-show because post-show blues are, they definitely are real. So you guys, let's end it there. Hopefully this one gave you guys some clarity, especially if you are curious about competition prep or maybe you're thinking about stepping on stage for the first time. It is definitely a journey. You will learn so much about yourself. Again, competition prep is not for everyone. In fact, it's not for most people. And I'm not advocating that it is a healthy thing to do. However, it if it's something that you are 
considering and you are in a good state mentally and you are in a good state physically and you do have a coach that you trust, I would I would say, man, like go for it because live life with no regrets and you will gain so much insight into yourself, into who you are under crazy circumstances and you will gain so much self-belief because it really is, you guys, it is so crazy what you can achieve when you really set your mind to it and when you really leave no stone unturned and when you really do everything in your power to achieve a goal, like you will impress yourself and you will never like second guess yourself again because you know, you will know like what you can really achieve. And if anything, your self-belief is just going to skyrocket. So appreciate you guys. If you got value, if you like this episode, please, please, please take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram story. It honestly means the world. I love to see who is listening. If you guys have any questions you want me to answer on the podcast, feel free to shoot me a DM at Nyfina and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Beyond the Body. If you're getting value from the podcast, please don't forget to follow, rate, and review. It really goes a long way. And if you're ready to take your mind and body to the next level and you want to work closely with me and my team, head over to my Instagram page at Nyfina and tap the link in my bio to fill in a coaching application to see if Cut and Conquer can help you transform your life.